You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Peace. What do you what do you think of? What do you feel when you hear the word peace? Maybe you think of absence, an absence of strife or conflict. Do you think of do you think of an absence of fighting, maybe when you think of peace? Maybe you're somebody when you think of peace, you you go in your mind to the ocean. Or maybe the mountains. Or maybe you live in a rural setting and you think of fields of corn and that just gives you peace. Maybe you think of sitting in a train tracks for a half an hour. <laughs> Is that anybody's first thought when they thought of peace this morning? <laughs> he, he just actually told me this last week. He said, I've resolved today to wait for the train. He said, I wasn't going to turn around. So I just sat there, you know, like a half an hour or something like this, you know. What do you think of when you think of peace? Maybe if you have young children, maybe you think of a weekend of sending the kids to the grandparents. Grandparents, when you think of peace, maybe you think of that time when you send your kid, your grandkids back to the kids, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey man, somebody, you know. Peace. I'm thinking a lot about peace because this is the Advent word and it's Christmas and we're supposed to think about peace at Christmas, right? You know, this word peace. And this word at comes to us probably most prominently in the episode, in the story that was made famous by that blanky coddling cartoon named Linus. You remember the little passage in Luke that Josh referenced just a little bit ago? I wanna read it to you. I realize this is somewhat of a spoiler alert for Christmas Eve, but I wanna read this text to you. There were shepherds living out in the fields. This is in Luke 2, nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were in the King James, what is it? Afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so the angels come and they proclaim this message to the shepherds. You ever think about shepherds? The shepherds were smelly. Shepherds slept with their sheep. Shepherds were not the people that had a social life. Shepherds were not really important to a lot of people. Shepherds were often ex-cons, you know. Shepherds uh, were the disposable people in society. And somehow, the angelic choir, in their debut performance on earth, land in the sky in a field near Bethlehem, proclaiming the, probably the most significant event in human history to these shepherds. 
you know? And they say, peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom God's favor rests. And the shepherds are probably thinking to themselves, who's this message for? Because I don't really feel like I have the favor of God in my life. You ever felt like maybe you're not God's favorite? Anybody? You ever look around and think to yourself, I, surely, surely I'm not God's favorite, you know? I don't know that the shepherds felt like they were God's favorites, you know? Kind of crummy jobs, you know? But yet the angels show up to them. You know, I, I told you that I'm preaching about peace today, but there's, there's a little subtext here. I'm gonna come back to peace. But this idea of favor is actually all throughout the Christmas story. You remember the story of Mary? Uh, this is just a few verses earlier. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered how, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so both to the shepherds and to Mary, we have kind of this similar message. Don't be afraid or peace. And God's favor is upon you. You know, there's, a, there's another story in which an angel comes to deliver news of a pregnancy in Luke that we often don't spend a lot of time with at Christmas time, but it's the story of Zechariah, right? And his wife, Elizabeth. Do you remember this story? Um, in, in that story, Zechariah is an older man who is serving at the temple and he and his wife have resigned that they're not going to have any children. He, he is an older guy who is kind of convinced that his best days are behind him. Any older folks in here who are maybe, maybe you don't want to admit it out loud, but you feel kind of convinced that your best days are behind you. Well, that's kind of Zechariah's lot, you know? He's coasting to retirement. And then he has this run-in with an angel and with the angel tells him, hey, your wife's gonna have a baby. And he doesn't really believe this. Um, but what's interesting to me is what Elizabeth says when she, as a postmenopausal woman, finds out that she's going to, like Sarah, back in the story of Abraham and Sarah, have a baby. Do you know what she says? She says these words, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown me his favor. That's what Elizabeth exclaims. So what's this story, what, what's this idea of favor all about? And what has this got to do with peace? Well, the favor thing is, is, is all about this. This sentence right here. This is the sermon right here. This sentence. God's favor has nothing to do with your situation. Some of you are convinced that because of the bad things that have happened to you in your life, you must not be God's favorite. Some of you feel like you are being punished in your current situation by God himself. And you know what the, the angels say to the shepherds, the people with crummy jobs? You're God's favorite. Anybody got a crummy job in here? Amen, somebody? 
You don't want to say it out loud. Your employer's down the, down the row. <laughs> no, not me. Not me. I'm good. I got a great job, you know. Maybe anybody in here uh, feel like awkward in high school, maybe like Mary? If there's anybody who didn't feel like God's favorite, it was Mary, the high schooler who got the news from the angel that she was going to be pregnant, you know? And this is very awkward because we all know Mary's brand. What's Mary's brand? She's a virgin, right? That's kind of an awkward thing to explain. Uh, this is why Mary ends up having the baby in a stable in Joseph's hometown because Joseph's family is not buying the story. Right? I mean, if Joseph's family was convinced that this was God himself being born, you know, they're not gonna shun them and make them go stay somewhere else. I imagine the conversation went something like this. Joseph, we can't, we can't let the the grandkids and the cousins know about what's going on with your girlfriend? I mean, you guys, the story with an angel, that's, you know, <laughs> that's kind of crazy and far-fetched, but we all understand the birds and the bees around here, Joseph, <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously, like, this is, this is an awkward situation. He's supposed to be going home for a family reunion, and he ends up having a baby in a barn, right? And, and you know what the message of the angel is? Hey, but, but you're God's favorite. It's kind of counterintuitive, you guys, you know? Doesn't feel like God's, I'm God's favorite, you know? And then Zechariah and Elizabeth. You know, these old people that are just trying to do the right thing day in and day out. He's just serving the Lord at the temple. And under all of it, there's just this lingering sadness because they just wanted to have a baby. It's like all they wanted, you know? And it's so sad because just live their entire lives just hoping for this one thing. It's like the one thing they wanted they can't have, you know? You ever felt like that? Like it's just not working out? Like that thing that you wanted, you're not getting it? Well, then the Christmas story is the story for you because I'm telling you, the story of Christmas is that God's favor has nothing to do with your situation. And somebody needs to hear that today. You're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. And he just wants you to know his favor. Now, some of you may be saying to yourselves, the Bible scholars out there, there's always the critics. I always get, I always get notes after I preach, you know, the people filling in the dots where I might've missed it, you know, or left off. And I appreciate it. I invite the dialogue. I love it. But for those of you who want to quote uh, Romans 2, 2, 11, where Paul says, God does not show favoritism. I just want you to know that that passage is where Paul is explaining to Jews who think that they're going to have special treatment at the judgment, that they're actually not going to receive special treatment at the judgment. Uh, Paul says there that God's going to judge Jews and Gentiles alike, right? Essentially, saying that we're all God's favorites or all of us are entitled to be God's favorites at the judgment. Does that make sense? So, okay, just wanted to kind of like clear that, you know, so that you don't have to send the note this week, okay? Was there, whoever had it in their notes are like, oh, shoot, he got me this time. It's like, well, there you go. <clears throat> so what does favor, though, have to do with God's peace? Did you know that there's this idea in the Old Testament that actually combines the two? It's this idea of Shalom. Uh, shalom in the Old Testament is, is this idea of wholeness or completeness. 
There are many that would say that shalom is the object of the Bible. It's, it's, the, it's the point of the story of God. God creates in six days. And do you know what the seventh day is? It's a day of shalom. It's God's intent that we would all every seven days rest and know the shalom of God, actually. It's the one thing that our lives ought to be centered around. But I gotta tell you, as I visit with folks around Christmas time in Lima, Ohio in 2022, it seems to me that one of the things that most folks are lacking these days is a little bit of extra shalom, of peace. Wouldn't you like to have some shalom in your life? Some peace? People argue about what was the oldest written text that we have in our Bible. Obviously, the stories, many of the stories that we have are prehistoric. They were handed down orally before we had any written texts, right? But there are some scholars that believe that the oldest written text that we have is actually a priestly blessing that's in number six. It was made famous again a couple years ago by the Carrie Job song. But some people really believe that this is the oldest written text because it was so important for the priests that they wrote it down. This blessing in Numbers chapter six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. peace. Shalom, the shalom of God. Now, the fact of the matter is, if you read the Old Testament and you read the stories of these people that walked with God, guess what? Their lives did not turn out always the way that they wanted them to. They did it. But do you know what they knew? They knew what it meant to walk with God, to know God. Abraham was convinced that he would rather know life in step and in obedience with God than he would a life pleasing his wife or whoever else Abraham would have been wanting to please, right? I mean, this is why Abraham is for Kierkegaard, the knight of faith. This this strange nomadic man who is just convinced that faithfulness to God is worth his entire life. And what what does he become? He becomes the father of many nations, the father of the nation of Shalom because he just obeys and trusts and walks with God, right? Moses is convinced of the same thing, that walking with God is, is worth life, right? It's worth everything. This is what the, the prophets, what they call the people of Israel back to is to a nearness, to a relationship with God. And, and the message of Christmas is very, very simple. It's not actually rather, it's not fantastic actually. It's, it's very simple. That God comes to us that God favors us so much that he wants to have a relationship with us. That's it. Jesus didn't fix everything when he came to earth. Have you noticed that? He didn't. Jesus didn't give the people all the things that they wanted. You know what I'm saying? They were upset that Caesar was the governor. That was the, uh, well, I guess he was the Caesar. You got Pilate, who's the governor, right? They were, they were upset that they were ruled by the Romans. You know what the message of Christmas is? It doesn't matter which political party is in power. God's still coming to you. You're still God's favorite. That's the message of Christmas, you know? And these shepherds, they went and they, 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 they saw the, the, the baby, right? 
the miracle of heaven. They got to experience the joy of, of seeing and hearing the angels and that angelic choir, but they still had crummy jobs. It's not like they got to the manger and Mary just having a baby says, oh, shepherds, guess what? You all get new jobs and a new car. That's not, that's like not a part of the story. Which like, honestly, I mean, if you think about it, the only reason that we know about the shepherds and the angels is because of Mary, right? So Luke tells us that he is um, doing some investigation as into the story of Jesus. This is how he begins his gospel. And Luke's gospel, we understand Mary to actually have been a source to him because what Luke has, Mary's Magnificat, right? Uh, Luke has those beautiful words where Luke is kind of giving credit to Mary for a lot of this content. He says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I don't wanna to get too graphic today, but imagine, uh, can you imagine kind of the birthing scenario where, you know, for a woman in birth, it's kind of a stressful time anyway, but uh, she didn't have the support of her husband, of her in-laws. You know, what a way to start off an in-law relationship, by the way. I mean, it got a rocky, you know what I'm saying? I mean, how do you, how do you as Joseph's in-laws live that one down? You made me have a baby in a barn, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know, I don't know how that went, you know, but, but there, she's having this baby, you know, in this barn and all of a sudden these smelly shepherds show up and they're like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. But we just had angels tell us to come find the people who are having a baby in a barn and you guys are really having a baby in a barn. This is crazy. And, and Aunt Mary's like, who the heck invited these guys? Like, what is going on? I mean, this is just absurd, right? You guys, the Christmas story is absurd. It's not polished. It's not this awesome, you know, uh, 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 how should I say? Uh, materialistic, wonder, wonderful story, you know? It's actually almost, it's really troubling because God comes, he doesn't fix anything and he just enters in where meek souls will receive him still, uh, the carol says, the dear Christ enters in. This is the story of Christmas. I thought to myself, what if this year for Christmas, my kids wake up and I say, listen, kids, no cinnamon rolls this year. No cinnamon rolls. No cinnamon rolls. What we're gonna do, we're all gonna get our shoes on. We're gonna go outside in the barn. Got some animals, got some feces. We're gonna go out there, gonna be in the, be in the barn. You know what my kids would say to me? You're a terrible dad. I hate this Christmas. I wanna go inside and have cinnamon rolls and presents just like Jesus did. And I'd be like, no, you're wrong. They'd be like, but they told me that the wise men brought presents. I'd be like, oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. But sometimes I feel like in America, we've shifted the gospel and our understanding of the very peace of God to mean a state in which I have what I want and a state in which I'm not experiencing suffering. I think that that's our definition of peace, is a state in which I have the things that I want and a state in which I'm not experiencing suffering. But the story of Christmas is this. God's peace and God's favor does not mean that your problem is fixed. God's peace and God's favor does not mean that your life is awesome and that all of a sudden all of your expectations are met. The Christmas story tells us that because God favors us, he comes to us. That's what the Christmas story tells us. Because God favors us, he comes to us. That's it. God favors us so much that he wants 
a relationship with us. Are you gonna tell you something? I think sometimes at Christmas, I'm guilty of wanting more than a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I'm guilty of not being satisfied with that being enough for me. I don't know about you, but I got, I got an agenda this long, you know? I got places to be. I got stuff to do. I, I might have been like a lot of those people in Bethlehem that might have missed the birth of Christ myself, you know? But the thing is, This is, the, this is the truth of Christmas. It's kind of a hard truth to receive that God doesn't solve all our problems. That's not what Christmas teaches us that Jesus came to do. He came to actually suffer with us. He came to be our comforter though. And he came to be our counselor in the midst of suffering it's interesting to me that in Jesus' extended prayer for his disciples before he would leave this earth in the book of John, he prayed that his disciples might know the shalom of God in the midst of trouble. Listen to these words in John 16. He says to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace or shalom in this world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul now, wrote that book to the Philippians that is often quoted because it has just so much good Christian content as far as like Christian living, content concerning Christian living. This is a book that Paul wrote when he was in prison, when he was suffering, right? Unbelievable, you know? Paul's understanding of what it means to be, to be a follower of Jesus is to be one who is inflicted because they follow Jesus. Like that's his whole worldview of what it means to be a Christian is that he's persecuted, he's shipwrecked, he's flogged, he's jailed. Paul writes these words in Philippians chapter four, verse, verse six, do not be anxious about anything. Paul the guy whose life is terrible, like he's in prison when he's writing this, okay? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The message of Christmas today is simply this. God favors you and he wants you to know his peace. And so you may be asking the question, well, Jonathan, tell me, how can I know God's peace? I want to know his peace. You may not like the answer to this, that question. God's peace comes from knowing God. God's peace comes from accepting Jesus. God's peace comes from surrendering your life to him. That's where God's peace comes from. Does, it mean that, does surrendering to God mean that your life is going to be easy? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Does it mean that you're gonna get everything you want? Probably not. You're actually probably gonna pick up some things that you didn't want. 
But I can testify with Abraham and Moses, with the prophets, with Mary, with Elizabeth, that following God, walking in step with God's spirit will give you a life of meaning and purpose and closeness with God that will indeed transcend all of your understanding. And that's kind, of the, that's kind of the point today. You know, I, I don't like the assignment of preaching on peace because the message of peace that we find at Christmas time is actually anti-American Christmas in some ways. If that makes sense. Because we sort of in our cultural pedagogy, we teach ourselves that we're all gonna go to sleep one night, we're gonna wake up the next morning and all of our wildest dreams are going to come true, you know? That's not what we find with Jesus. We actually find, we wake up and we have a, a baby in a barn and um, we find that God is coming to us to invite us into a life of suffering with him. But yet in all of it, he promises that intimacy with him is going to lead us to ultimate peace. So as countercultural as, counter as it may be, I actually wanna invite you today to give your life to Jesus. Maybe this Christmas is the time that you say to yourself, you know what? I'm sick of the rat race. I'm sick, of, I'm sick of living this entire month just trying to buy everyone presents and make my house, you know, more sparkly than the person across the street and trying to please all of my kids and get everybody all that they want and this type of stuff. This year, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit at the manger. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to know peace. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says these words, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I don't know that coming to Jesus will change your diagnosis. I don't know that coming to Jesus will bring back the person that you've lost. I don't know that coming to Jesus will get you the job that you want. but I can only testify to you my own experience that coming to Jesus might actually give you a life of meaning and purpose that would be beyond your wildest dreams. And there is, there is a peace that surpasses understanding and it comes from walking with Jesus, the one who came as a baby in a manger. I wanna invite you to stand with me today. Maybe today you just wanna come and pray and I wanna invite you, we have some time. Maybe you wanna say, I wanna, I wanna come consecrate my life. Maybe rededicate my life to the Lord to the Savior at Christmas time. Come, come to the altar, come pray today. Lord Jesus, we stand before you as your people, recognizing our desperate need of you. You know, peace is a fantastic idea. It's a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful concept. Lord, would you help us to actually know it? 
Would you help us to actually know what it means to walk with you? What it means to live in fellowship with you, Lord. May we, as Mary did, give ourselves in humility. May we, as Zechariah and Elizabeth, give our lives to serving you. May we, as the shepherds with eagerness at your invitation and your call, may we just follow without asking questions. And in the pursuit of you in this season, Lord, we we pray that you would give your people peace, that we would know the comfort, the indwelling of your spirit in these days. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Today, as you go, I, I wanna invite you to open your hands. receive from the Lord today these words from Numbers this ancient text of Shalom the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in the peace of the Lord today. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.